Welcome back to episode four of Democratic Campaigns. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. Today we are coming at you from the People's Convention in Chicago, the gathering of progressive activists, operatives, and agenda. Those that seek to influence the agenda for the Democratic Party and the progressive movement as a whole. And I'm delighted to be joined with um, Kyle Patterson, campaign manager for the uh, James Thompson, that's a special election in Kansas, which just about shocked the world and is now uh, getting ready to uh, be part of that blue wave to take back the House in 2018. Kyle, thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what was it like in that special election? It was crazy. <laughs> to put it in a word, I mean, we sprinted the entire way. Um, you know the insanity of the last three, four weeks of GOTV on a normal campaign. We did that from the from word one, essentially. You know, yeah. It was all about field. It was all about knocking every single door that we could find, uh, hitting all the right people, turning up the base, essentially. So yeah. that kind of speed and intensity for 60 days straight felt like 60 months. And did you get, was there any advance warning at all, or was it sort of you got a month and go? Pretty much. Uh, so this seat was vacated by Mike Pompeo, uh, Trump's new CIA director. and. I believe he was confirmed in mid-January. Um, then the governor declared a special election to occur in South Warsaw, Kansas, and I believe a lot of other states. They essentially set a date, I think it's 60 days out from whenever right. the seat opens or whenever the governor declares it, something like that. Yeah. But um, people scrambled, of course. There was a nominating convention among the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Yeah. Um, and luckily, uh, James Thompson came out on top. He was yeah. the best candidate for the district. and. Uh, I mean, I think the results that we were able to pull off, which I'm sure we'll get into later, uh, really show that. Yeah, let's talk about uh, how you ended up and what you ascribe to uh, how you guys did so well. Well, we came out, I think, only losing by 6.8%, maybe 7%, somewhere in that range, which you know, is not by normal, you know, close purple district standard, very close, but for the district we were in, that's phenomenal. It's the closest that any candidates come since 96, maybe, uh, if not longer. Um, that district's been held by Republicans since 1996, in fact, uh, when it was vacated by Dan Whitman, maybe 94, in fact. Um, but we beat the last guy who ran in 2016's margin by something like 24 or 25 points to. What a spring. Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, and how did we do it? Um, yeah. Well, you know, good old-fashioned blood, sweat, and tears, in part, knocking doors, yeah. uh, being in the office 12 hours a day, seven days a week, um, and really, uh, the campaign staff that I, I got to work with uh, when I was on the finance team for the Thompson Special was, some, I mean, some of the best people, I think, that are out there, yeah. <laughs> honestly, like, SWAT team for political can or for political operatives is how I've always looked at them. Sure. So they were able to put together war machine in the course of 60 days, and we ended up, like I said, beating the margin by 25 points or so. Um, and did you find uh, persuadables were breaking hard, or some? Uh, anecdotally, because I was out on the trail with uh, Mr. Thompson a lot as a sort of quasi-body man toward the end of the campaign, and anecdotally we run across people all the time who were Republicans who were disgusted <laughs> with the state of Kansas politics, and uh, so, we also have the 
least popular governor in the country right now, Sam Brownback. Yeah. Um, so that was a big help for us as well, having, having a horrible Republican track record uh, at the state level. Yeah. And the candidate that we were running against, Ron Eslis, um, being the state treasurer there too, you know, he's obviously directly tied to the state level decisions that are made. And Kansas is doing quite badly under <laughs> yeah. Republican control. And he still has a state treasurer. He is now a congressman, actually, because he won. Um, oh, I'm sorry. The that opponent, right, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, hopefully we'll change that in 2018. Right, that's right, that's right. Um, um, so tell me, uh, especially, you've got no time to build any infrastructure, just constantly mobilizing. What were some of the uh, instant field creation tips or techniques that worked well in your campaign that you think other campaigns should think about? Well, uh, it, when you've got a rush like that, you really have, you don't have time to set up your own infrastructure necessarily. You have to rely on pre-existing infrastructure, whether that's, luckily, post-2016, there were a lot of people who were already self-organized. That's another thing that I think helped us a lot, too. We had uh, groups like Indivisible. Yeah. Um, they didn't help us directly because, of course, Indivisible was not part of it. But a lot of their members yeah. came and reached out to us individually. And we had basically one of the most active volunteer bases that I've ever seen any time I've worked in Kansas. Huh. Um, and, you know, that same kind of energy is translated in elections like Georgia or Montana, where you know, the margins were much closer right. than the 2016 elections. And part of that has to do with low voter turnout and effective field strategies, but part of that field strategy, too, is building that volunteer base early on. And yeah. So I think, to answer your question, you have to tap into existing networks of people who a lot of them may not have ever been involved in politics until December 2016. A lot of people that came in and worked with us and became super warriors by the time the special election was over, you know, canvassing and every other aspect of volunteerism. Yeah. Um, you just gotta find those people. Because there are people are out there ready to work and uh, energetic, and there's an almost limitless reserve open if you can find them. Yeah, they are out there. And so you guys clearly were able to tap into and keep them engaged. Um, what were some of the if there's another field director or volunteer or recruiter or manager listening, uh, what's some advice you might give them as to how to keep somebody who doesn't know jack about politics, never walked a precinct, but is engaged and wants to do something and doesn't know what to do? Well, what's the advice you need to help uh, that staffer get that person plugged in? Well, you know, of course, first of all, go to the standard training regimen. Uh, maybe crash course it if you're working on a special election as we had to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a playbook out there already for getting volunteers engaged. It's just appreciating their work and telling them how important what they're doing is, really, and how. I mean, we, we actually just recently had a volunteer appreciation and celebration kind of thing. Did you? Uh, within the last 10 days or so, for our volunteers have helped out. Oh, okay. So things like that. Um, and just having conversations with people, too. There were times when, you know, we would be sitting around the office late at night, and we'd have volunteers still around, and a lot of people feel dejected or disengaged right now. Yeah. But I think you just have to, we, we changed that, luckily, in our district, because we had a mission. We had a, the right candidate at the right time. Um, and that, the most important thing, I think, is just to give them a task, because people are hungry for this. Yeah. If, they're, if they're reaching out to volunteer now on a campaign, He's got to find something for them to do. <laughs> they'll do it. I mean, that was the thing that shocked me the most, was just the energy in the office yeah. every single day. Huh. Yeah. Um, and you guys are mobilizing now with campaign manager for 18. Uh, We're starting back up. Yeah. Um, we've got, 
hell of a base already built um, with all the people that we connected with and you know trained and mobilized during the special election. So we have an advantage that most Democratic candidates in the district that we're fighting for to have had in 23 years. You know, we have a uh, fundraising network, of course, already from all the effort we put in during the special election. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's reassembling those pieces and sprinting ahead to November 2018. So tell me uh, from the sort of Kansas Democratic perspective, um, when you think about the changes we have to be making as a party, um, what, what should the party be doing differently so Kansas Democrats can start winning? Well, uh, they didn't do much for us during the special election. Um, and, you know, I understand the logic. you got to constrain resources and focus on places that are quote-unquote winnable, but I think that the methods that they use to judge winnable are wrong. <laughs> I mean, you look at what we were able to do, you know, that 25-point swing or whatever they, 22-23-point yeah. swing, um, we did it with essentially no party help. They threw in, uh, I mean, not that's not to say the Kansas Democratic Party wasn't involved, of course, but the DNC, the national level, CCC, they threw us a few robocalls for the end of the race, which you know, we appreciated. Yeah. But um, I think the biggest thing that the party can do to save itself, <laughs> for one thing, um, and to really start winning again, is to focus, you know, renew the 50-state strategy idea. Yeah. In a way, I mean, it's, it's an old trope. It's kind of a cliche to say that, but I really think that's what you have to do. And, Kansas level, we're talking about 105 county strategy. You yeah. gotta go to every single county, no matter how red. You know, you gotta go to every single state, no matter how red. Yeah. Talk to people and run on our values, too. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to be true to yourself and run on a strong progressive platform like Bernie Sanders did. Or yeah. Hell, 80 years ago, like FDR did. You know, that's that's what built the modern Democratic Party. And we just need to rediscover that and renew it use them. Yeah. Because people respond to that message. It's better for the everyday American than anything the other side has to offer. We just have to make that case clear and you know stop trying to be Republican lights and right. you know red districts or red states. Yeah. Just be Democrats. How um, what do you find um, that was the best use of the candidate's time? I only raised that because a previous um, guest had said Candidate, when they're talking to Republicans and persuading votes, it's like magic. One of those can do that as well as the candidate him or herself. Uh, did you find, uh, especially spending a lot of time with them towards the end, uh, where you just felt like, man, it's clicking, that's what we should be doing more of? Anything in particular? I mean, getting him in a room with people, getting James Thompson just to talk with someone one on one or to a small group, uh, that was our secret weapon. I think he's just the light of God. He's a real God. You know? yeah. Midwestern dude that grew up uh, in Oklahoma, joined the military at uh, the age of 18, I believe. Uh -huh. you know, served in the presidential honor guard in D.C. for four years. Yeah. Used a GI Bill to pay his way through school, and then eventually went on to law school in Kansas and became a civil rights attorney. Like, yeah. When he tells people that story, and it's just himself, and I think, you know, granted, you have to have the right candidate for that to be applicable generally, but um, that was our circle. In a lot of ways, he's, he's tailor-made for the district, and yeah. he's just, again, runs on his values. I never once heard him hedge. He's just himself, and he puts himself out there. Yes. Yeah. 
if you want to make a candidate more effective, you just got to unlock whatever part of their brain <laughs> has that locked up. There. Yeah. So you found uh, the authenticity and the candor for a long way. Especially in the messaging, and, you know, as you ask, reaching out to Republicans or persuadables. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and every every state has their own pet issues um, or things that the people, the electors, more concerned about. But we were actually able to really tap into that too. You know, in part due to the amazing work of our communications team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah working out there a lot. A lot. One of the best. So I've been told at least one of the best social media games that has ever been seen on any Kansas campaign, if not the best. So yeah, I mean it was all over the place. Yeah, yeah, they really blasted it out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, and let me ask from your perspective, you know, everybody outside, you know, a lot of folks that are you know, solid in districts, you know, all we really can do is you know phone bank in. Um, was that helpful? Was it? Uh, tell me how that you know how how was that received? Okay, it was fantastic. Um, because, you know, Kansas Democrats uh, are still outnumbered. You know, we, we have, as I said, one of the best volunteer bases I've ever had the pleasure of working with. Maybe the best. Yeah. So much energy, but, you know, there's only so many of us out there. So getting help from people in Chicago, Boston, Kansas City. I mean, people came in not only from our district to volunteer in person, but from all over the state, too. Yeah. I mean, we got to give a shout-out to Johnson County Democrats, Shawnee County Democrats, people from all over the state, western parts of the state too, all flooded in, you know, because we were the only game in town. Yeah, time. right. But the uh, out-of-state help certainly helps too. Yeah. You know, uh, and that, that uh, open virtual phone bank software is a game changer, I think, for a lot of people because, yeah, it's you know, there's, there's districts like, uh, I don't know which one we're sitting in now, but... We're probably, it's a good question, I should know. <laughs> I think uh, this is Danny Davis. Okay. Well, districts like this that are solidly blue, right? Or yeah. at least the Chicago metro areas like that that are solidly blue. That you know, people people who may be involved in county party politics or state level politics are casting about for things to fill their time. Help us in red states. <laughs> I mean, we can use it, and we know how to we know how to fight on the ground. We just need help from people outside who want to you know help us change the state for the better, help us change the country for the better talking federal elections too because yeah you know, every seat out of that 435 is going to matter in 2018. Yeah, sure. Even as spread of the districts is the one we're fighting here. Yeah. And you know there's in addition to making phone calls too you know we got the grassroots fundraising networks that have built up yeah. for I mean I have to give a shout out to John Ossoff's people. <laughs> They've raised an incredible amount of money. We did really well too. Yeah. Um, especially considering the shortness of the election. I think we broke a record uh, for the number of individual donations for any campaign ever run in Kansas. We wow. had uh, upwards of 28,000 individual donations. Yeah, Good for you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some of that came from out of state too, and that was a big boost because yeah. there are, you know, again, a place like California, there's obviously some Republican districts in there, but there's, it's a solidly blue state. You know? Yeah. If you want to really invest your resources, whether that be time or money or using your voice on social media, whatever it may be. Pick a district out there, adopt a district, adopt a red state, whatever you gotta do. Yeah. Because that's where you can really make the most difference for, you know, the really least investment of your time. Five, 10, 20 bucks at a time, a few phone calls, all that. Yeah, but from the campaign, I mean, you're managing the campaign in a, one of these, we've got to win it, we're gonna get rid of all around districts. Oh, yes, right. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. And so from your perspective, the folks that are, uh, you know, 
know, thinking about 720 bucks or 50 bucks to some you know, campaign like yours. Um, tell me, you know, does it really help? Does it really matter? Absolutely. I, I don't know that we would have done as well as we did without help from people. From, you know, the new, as I said, you know, there's a lot of volunteers and groups that have started up. A lot of that network was also able to help us around the state, too. Not just the, you know, door-to-door -door volunteers that we had, but yeah. it, it made a lot of difference. I don't think that we would have come as close as we did without help <laughs> from the broader progressive movement. And yeah. Again, in places where Democrats uh, are disadvantaged, like we are in my district, uh, around Wichita, there's no other way to do it, I think, than for us to all band together and pool our efforts to get people like Jim Thompson elected to Congress. Uh, you're listening to the Democratic Campaigns Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. This podcast is brought to you by Campaign Filer, campaignfiler.com, a software for political campaigns to run their compliance and soon fundraising. Check out campaignfiler.com. Kyle, as campaign manager for uh, James Thompson in Kansas' 4th Congressional District, he must win to win back the House. Um, tell me how you're feeling about 2018. What's it, what is it going to take for uh, everyone to help you win that race? Uh, what's sort of the big picture in your district in Kansas and, and uh, 18 months from now? Uh, well, in order to answer that, I may have to re rewind a little bit here because yeah. just two or three days ago, uh, the Kansas legislature just overrode a veto uh, from the governor that he, he so he vetoed legislation that essentially undid his pet project of tax cuts for the wealthy. Yeah. Finally, after five years, I believe it was 2012 when they passed it, uh, five years of failed economic experiments that slowed job growth, caused massive deficits for the state government, uh, hurt a lot of people where services had to be cut in order to keep funding those tax cuts. Like. That's all been undone by a brave legislature bringing together both moderate Republicans and Kansas Democrats. Um, so the reason I bring that up is because the landscape, I think, is going to be very good in 2018 for us on the state level. Yeah. Um, you know, you also have two very uh, competitive districts up in the second and third as well, um, which uh, I think are going to also look good for us in 2018. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm just excited generally too because the, the problem will be keeping this wave of people like we have here at the People's Summit, you know, keep people like this and others out there activated and engaged for the next 18 months. That's always a struggle, right? Yeah, yeah. But if we can do that, um, then I don't see any reason that the Democrats can't take back the House and stop some of the insanity coming out of the White House. Right, right. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, I guess, the end game is. Saving, <laughs> saving some of the policies, yeah. <laughs> right. And how much is uh, an expanded electorate central to Kansas victories? Hugely. Uh, voter registration is a big thing that we're pushing right now. Yeah. Um, because there is a party registration gap in Kansas, which does not need to be nearly as large as it is. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of people in the fourth district of Kansas who are unregistered and would like to vote Democratic. So. Right. Of course, that's something we want to focus on. Is yeah. not only does that you know, give you more people on your side, uh, according to the official statistics, but it also invests in those people a sense of civic duty. I think too, they're more likely to vote. Yeah. If you, well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> if they're registered. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I think that first initial step, and then keeping in touch with them, and keeping yeah. them up to date on you know, the happenings and the political scene around you, around them, will, you know, it's that grassroots foundational bit by bit 
buildup that the party has to do in order to really rebuild. Yeah. And then finally, uh, you know, everyone is sort of uh, fascinated by the white working class ex-urban or rural voter. Um, I mean, there's a whole lot of them in your district. Um, what's your read on, you know, did you see a Trump wave? Did you see people coming out that had never voted before? And do you see people moving? Tell me if, if is that a mythology? What's it really like? Well, uh, a lot of people all over the state voted for Donald Trump, all over the country, of course, yeah. right? Um, Kansans are different than the kind of Appalachian and or upper Midwest Rust Belt kind of archetype for the white working class. Yeah. Um, you know, we do have manufacturing in Wichita. That's mm -hmm. a, aviation's a huge part of our economy there. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's some of that, but um, out in the outer parts of our district, um, they're primarily rural, you know, farming communities. Um, yeah. So the a lot of them did vote for Trump. Uh, you know, responding I think to a similar progressive or not progressive but populist uh, yeah. message that he was able to trumpet and then completely abandon as soon as he was in the White House. <laughs> right. Within hours. Yeah, within hours. Right. Um, but they, I think can be brought back into the democratic fold with, again, the right message, running true to your, our values as Democrats. Um, for instance, again, the state level government in Kansas right now is just, they've decimated the education system. And yeah. something that keeps, there's there's usually three or four things that keep a small town of, say, 3,000 or less in rural Kansas alive. Yeah. It's normally a hospital, a school, in a post office. Hmm. A lot of jobs out there, if they're not in farming or in healthcare or education. Sure. Or other various federal government services. So when government services are cut, especially education, yeah. that school goes away, more people will leave. And with not refusing to expand Medicaid, as the state has done, the state Republicans have done in the last three years or however long it's been, that's been optional. Yeah. That, that hurts rural hospitals. In fact, there are a number that are slated to close in our district that hmm. would be saved by a Medicaid expansion doing what you know the ACA was intended to do. Yeah. Now there's is, is that message starting to catch? Are people it, starting to get it? It really is. Uh, unfortunately not soon enough for us to yeah. have for it to have taken us over the uh, edge on April 11th. But yeah. I think in 2018 that will continue to resonate because through 2018 even. Yeah. Because people are really starting to feel it in their pocketbook. And it's again just a simple fact. Democratic policies are better, <laughs> right, for the working and middle classes. I right, mean, history plays that out. Economic theory plays that out. It's just fact. You're right. And, <laughs> so, and I'm hearing you say one of the reasons you did so well is that your candidate ran hard as a Democrat, unapologetically, uh, on the core Democratic message, and didn't sort of position himself as, you know, kind of a triangulator, or you know. No, he was. He ran as a very strong progressive. You know, he's a. Uh, He's a Kansas Democrat, so you know, he's probably more moderate than a lot of people on the coasts might be. Right. But for Kansas, yeah. uh, he's a very progressive guy. Yeah. And uh, again, I think that a lot of people who voted for Trump can even respond to that in the same way that there was overlap between Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump voters, which I still don't fully understand. Right. But yeah. you're able to bridge that similar kind of divide, I think, of the candidate like. Mr. Thompson, who runs on that progressive platform and speaks to the everyday issues that people are, you know, feeling. Even global warming is beginning to, or climate change is beginning to become an issue for 
rural Kansas farmers because it's affecting their crop yields. It's yeah. affecting uh, you know water that they have available. All sorts of things like this. Yeah. So they're primed and ready to become Democrats. <laughs> they just need the right messaging and the right amount of outreach to be. And if people want to help, uh, how can they? Uh, what's the website of the campaign for your team? www.votejamesthompson.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, so just look up James Thompson for Kansas on Facebook um, and like us. That'd be great. Um, and I have a Twitter feed. You guys were all over the place. Oh yeah, like I said, we had a we had a special ops comms team. It seemed like they were they were all over it. But um, you know, sign, signing up to volunteer, like we were talking about earlier, you know, yeah. pull out of state. Just because you don't live there doesn't mean you can't help in our district or any other out there that you know has a strong progressive Democrat running to make the change that Washington needs. Um, right. And you know, whether that's through donations, jamesthompson.com slash donate. <laughs> right. Or right. jamesthompson.com slash volunteer. You know, we have all these different pages you can sign up and you know, learn for yourself all things that you can do to help us or campaigns like this. That sounds great. Kyle, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll uh, get back to you in podcast land real soon.